This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado, The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. It's Chris-a-mania, brother. That's a great question. Look at you, man, with the powerful questions. (laughs) Woo! This is the Chris Van Vliet Show. Chris Van Vliet Show. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Van Vliet. All right, welcome back to the Chris Van Vliet Show. This episode is brought to you by Indeed and Bet Online. And this interview is one that I've been trying to get for more than a year and a half. I first started reaching out to David Arquette. At the beginning of last year, and I know that the beginning of 2019 feels like it was, you know, eight years ago at this point, but yeah, about a year and a half ago, it looked like we were going to do this interview at WrestleMania last year in New York, but I've said it before and I'll say it again. WrestleMania is both the best and the worst time to try to do interviews. The best because everybody connected with wrestling is in the same place at the same time. The worst, because nobody has time. Everybody's schedules are just like insanely packed. So it actually worked out that we didn't do the interview then and that we're doing the interview now because his documentary called You Cannot Kill David Arquette is out now and uh, it's incredible. If you've already seen this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But wow, it's just, it's fantastic storytelling and an in-depth look into David Arquette, who he is, and the relationship that he has with wrestling. Which, by the way, has led to a pretty successful run as an indie wrestler. So we obviously talk about all that during this interview. And just a huge thank you to David for making the time for this conversation. And thank you to you for making the time to listen to this. And thank you to you for subscribing to the show. And if you haven't subscribed yet, maybe take a second right now. Phone's in your pocket. Uh, just grab your phone and subscribe on whatever platform it is that you're listening on. And if you have a you know free 60 seconds today, maybe you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And I'm going to keep reading one out on every single episode. This one is from Holotech. Hola? Hola? Holotech? Titles this, whoops, with some fire emojis. I wonder what that's about. To my co-diehard wrestling fans and wrestlers, This is the best podcast. It shows you where you can get to learn more about world-famous wrestlers with their impacts and get the 
Updated news on WWE. This podcast makes me want to know more about the world-famous past, current, and future pro wrestlers with their landmarks. Stay tuned, whether you're at home, at the marketplace, driving, and anywhere. It's a great, informative podcast. Well, thank you for that. I feel like I might have read a few words wrong there, but thank you. Or maybe you wrote the words wrong and I just, I don't know what's going on there, but I appreciate you for leaving that review. Appreciate everyone who has helped to make this one of the top wrestling podcasts in the world. It's so crazy to see it on the charts there. So thank you so much for that. And you know, when you look at the list of films that David Arquette has been in, it's hard to not be impressed. Um, but but then at the heart of this, he's a die-hard wrestling fan. So he's this incredibly famous, very well-known Hollywood star. And at the heart of it, he's a wrestling fan, just like the rest of us. Of course, we talk about him winning the WCW World Heavyweight title and all the controversy that surrounded that. We get into the reaction he had from both people inside the wrestling world and outside of it. And it wasn't very positive on either end. He also talks about how wrestling negatively affected his Hollywood career. And speaking of his Hollywood career, while I can't imagine the Scream franchise without him, spoiler alert, he's one of the few original cast members whose character hasn't been killed off. Sorry if you haven't watched the Scream movie. I don't feel like I'm giving it anyway. He's in Scream 5. Well, they're filming. They're about to film Scream 5, so this is not a, it's not a surprise. So here you go. Oh, man, what a conversation. Ladies and gentlemen. David Arquette. All right. We're doing it, man. Thank you so much for this. We're finally doing it. Thank <laughs> you. We've been talking about this since WrestleMania last year. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. Yeah. Sorry. But it's, it's perfect timing now. You know, your film yeah. is out. You cannot kill David Arquette. I just watched it last night, and I got to say, I was just blown away by it. Well, thank you, man. Thanks for checking it out. Well, I think a lot of people think that this is just your journey in the wrestling world, but and it is, but it's also so much more than that. This is your journey as a man, this is your journey as an actor, and you know, it certainly uh, you know, is encompassed by everything that's happened in the wrestling world for you in the last 20 years. Yeah, totally. I did, you know, we do a lot of, we have a company, XCR, who represents this movie, but um, we do a lot of documentaries, and I knew from good documentaries you want a subject that's really open vulnerable and you know accessible so we went into it like okay like you know no holds barred you to check whatever you want to do like whatever you want to film but yeah it got pretty crazy there did you like was your plan to become a wrestler when you started making this film I always knew I wanted to like prove myself in the wrestling world that I wasn't just some punk pushover actor cheese ball. So that always stuck with me. That stuck with me while I was in WCW. I was like, let me do some stuff. I can do some stuff. Yeah. They were like, they didn't let me really do anything. Then, you know, they maybe tried one thing and I was just terrible. <laughs> so, uh, all I can remember is Jeff Jarrett saying, nut shot, nut shot, nut shot. And I was like, huh, what? What, what am I? And then, so I had a nut shot. <laughs> so uh, that's probably stuff like that. Like, I didn't remember the spots. So they probably knew I couldn't do much back then. But uh, I always wanted to learn. I always wanted to, you know, prove myself. Did you feel like you needed to prove this to yourself? 
or prove this to the wrestling world? Um, I wanted to prove it to myself, to the wrestling world. Uh, just, uh, I don't know. I wanted to, I don't know. It was this weird thing. It was like, I was completely like, uh, I don't know, beating myself up. I've always beat myself up. And like the process of this film, I've figured out a lot of the reasons why I've been beating myself up and how not to beat myself up. And maybe like, you know, you know, it also gives you confidence when you figure that stuff out and, you know, allows you to sort of, be true to yourself and sort of uh, perform on a higher level. But you've been a lifelong wrestling fan, right? Yeah, I sure have. So let's take this back. Let's take it back 20 years to, you know, where, where your journey in the public eye for wrestling really began. You're promoting Ready to Rumble. And whose idea is it to do this crossover with WCW? So I, w- I was like a fanatic fan as a kid and then kind of grew out of it and was became like a graffiti artists and break dancers, stuff like that. And then, <laughs> and then, um, and then ready to rumble. And I'd always sort of kept up with it, watched little things, but then ready to rumble came and got re-energized me into like that whole world. I was blown away that macho man's going to be in this movie. <laughs> I was like, are you serious? I said, yes. Like on page eight, because I was like, macho <laughs> man's going to be in the movie. You're like, that's not just the character, actual macho yeah. man. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I did say that. I said, it's not someone playing macho man. Right. And there was like, no real guy. Uh, it's all real wrestlers. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is a dream come true. So then I got more into, but then, you know, after the run, I kind of, I'd go back and forth. I'd be like, I don't know. I had always had this sort of sore spot and, uh, and I'd go to shows and people would be really like, you know, some people would be funny and like, Hey, wait champ, like even jokey, whatever. That's cool. But being really mean about her saying rude stuff to my girl, like stuff like that would be like, you know, <laughs> almost getting into fights at a wrestling place. Wow. You know? uh, so I'd always kind of go in and out. And what, there was one fan who came up to me. was like, yo, like, the too sweet thing and i was like what what <laughs> and i was because i if you miss wrestling for like you know a few months or something you'll miss a whole thing i mean too sweet's a whole thing but right i but i was i don't know i i had i had gone through periods of just like you know what forget wrestling <laughs> you know i'm not gonna watch it <laughs> i'm so mad at you but the, <laughs> so it's it was just a bigger thing in my head than I ever thought, really. So when I... Uh, That's Vince McMahon calling you right now. No kidding. Uh, so I... Uh, yeah. No, so so. When, when you were, you know, when you signed on for Ready to Rumble, was this already the idea? Was WCW already on board that you would start to do some sort of crossover promotions on Nitro? I don't know. Like, in the movie, like, I end up being the law. And I go out and, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm yeah, I, I, I went to theaters and saw that movie. <laughs> right, right. Awesome. So I was like, oh, that's funny. Like, it's kind of life imitating art, like a silly little thing. And, you know, they'll bring me in. But, no, they just brought me in for the first thing. I was just supposed to kind of get involved. I don't even remember what it was. I think I jumped and tried to save someone. And Jeff Jared, like, you know, uh, gave me his finisher. But, uh I don't know. I I don't know. Like, well, it kind of just 
steamroll. Oh, one of the things was I was run, walking around backstage with one of these little like kids wrestling uh, belts. Yeah. And I was having all the guys sign it because I, I am a fan. And then Vince Russo saw that. And I think that's maybe where the little germ of the idea came from. He's like, oh, he's a fan. He's really a fan. Yeah. And but, then, um, yeah. So I don't know. So this was. was- so when Vince Russo and I guess Eric Bischoff as well come up to you and say, all right, David, here's the plan. You're going to win the world title. How does that conversation go? <laughs> it's, it was actually DDP. And then he came up. I said, so what's the plan for today? And uh, he's like, you're going to be the champ. <laughs> Shut up. No, really. What are we doing? And then uh, he's like, no, seriously. I was like, what? You can't do that. You know, this, that's crazy. And I, and he explained to me, he's like, well, listen, you don't, I don't recall him saying you don't have to do it, but I think he may have, as he said, like, if you don't do it, then it's all over. The ready to rumble's over. The promotion of it's over. You won't be coming with us. But if you do it, then you stay to the pay-per-view. And I think it, this is a combination of him explaining it and Vince Russo. And he's like, and I was like, I get to like, stay with you, like, do this whole thing till the pay-per-view because i was only supposed to be on a one or two like they, the first thing i did got a pop so then the second time they brought me back and that might have been the time that they i don't know but they said i could stay through the pay-per-view and i was like and i get to travel with you guys and be like part of the group i was like this is like a dream come true for a wrestling fan and i always thought it was like this kind of like parallel with the movie like because i always kind of felt like that guy in the movie you know what i mean like he was a little he young like behaved a little younger than i did yeah. <laughs> we were very similar in a weird way of like loving wrestling so then uh yeah so then that was the kind of the clincher that i could tour with them for two weeks and go all across america my schedule was free and i was you know it was and I, next thing I know, I'm on a plane with Hulk Hogan and, and I'm sitting and he's telling me stories and Sting pops his head between the two two seats. And it's like, what are you reading? And I was like, what am I reading? You know, <laughs> he was just yeah. joking with me. It was like really one of the highlights of my life. So, I mean, wrestling is such an ego-driven business, but I think people also perceive Hollywood to be this very ego-driven business. I think it needs to be said. I think it needs to be out there and clear that you did not want to win the championship. You did not want to win the title. Yeah, but I also could have said no. I mean, I didn't really know how much I could have said no. Like, I'm an actor, so people tell me, like, here's your role. This is what you read. This is where you stand. And then we bring our little pieces into it and say, well, what if blah, 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 blah. But I didn't really think, like, I could, I, and I could have said no, but then I just wouldn't have been able to, you know, be a part of it. But it's, I mean, the equivalent is on a Hollywood set, you read the script and you say to the director, yeah, I don't think my character would do this. And that's not really how it works. Well, sometimes you say that and then like you shut the set down for about a half hour, hour debating like why, or you like, find little ways of doing it anyway or or not doing certain things. There's little tricks to it. 
It's like, uh, like, okay, can you play it more like, you know, you're sadder about this? Oh, yeah, 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 okay. <laughs> and then you just sort of do it the same way. And they're like, listen, can you really try to be a little sadder about this? Like, oh, okay, like emotionally sad. I got it, got it. And then you kind of do it the same thing. And if you just keep doing that for so long, then they're just going to have to move on. it Because they're going to run out of time and money, right? Yeah, but that's like a, a dick way of doing that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you, could, <laughs> you should talk about that stuff before you get to the scene on that day so that you don't slow production down. <laughs> And then in in this case, I don't know. I like. I did say it was a terrible idea, <laughs> but we just never knew it was going to be taken as bad as it was. We thought people would be more on the like, "Haha, this is fun, like ridiculous," but the like discrediting the belt and the legacy and the fact that it was held by all these different people and that it was me or something. And then I was like an actor from Hollywood who wasn't like perceived as being tough at all or, or anything. Uh, just this goofy guy. I mean, I still think like if it was Vin Diesel, you know what I mean? People have been a little bit more like, oh, yeah, but I can fuck Vin Diesel up. Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like that's what my point is like, oh, yeah, really? <laughs> you know, God bless Vin Diesel. I love the guy. I mean, he thinks he's incredible, but... You know, if we're, who knows? You know, Scott Kahn can probably beat up anybody in Hollywood. The guy's like a third-degree jiu-jitsu black belt. But nobody knows that. He also <laughs> has great hair, too. <laughs> he does. <laughs> he loves his hair. <laughs> did you realize, like, instantly, oh, my God, this was a terrible idea? Or did it take a while for, you know, the backlash to hit you? Oh, after we had done it? Yeah, no, like people were throwing stuff. Like it was like, get him out of here. <laughs> it was like, uh oh, we we awoke a dragon. Yeah, yeah, it was a bad scene. You certainly didn't think that twenty years later we'd still be talking about this thing. Yeah, no, not at all. I didn't even think like I thought it. Would, I thought it would be more of a comedy spot, but it obviously, like when it comes to something that as important as the bell. You know what I mean? I just, I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking, really. I really just wanted to be a part of the guys. You know what I mean? Why I did this whole movie in the first place to be like, just respected, you know, not looked at as like some pussy. Like, I don't know. It makes me so mad still. Like, mm. you know, there's difference between guys that have been in fights before, you know what I mean? Who don't take getting pushed around and you know, people that too, and not, not to say that I'm like this tough, tough guy. And, you know, I've walked away from plenty of fights and, and, you know, not, but there's also like just something and like, I don't know, even though people get a glimpse of who I am in this movie, it's only a glimpse. <laughs> you know what I mean? They don't see some of the like great, the real crazy stuff that I've gone through in my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think that if this had been the cruiserweight title, if this had been the TV right. title, I don't think, well, I don't think it would have cared as much in terms of the promotion, but they certainly wouldn't have cared as much in terms of the legacy of that belt. Absolutely. And I agree with that. And that's also why when I was first told, I was like, you can't, what are you talking about? This is crazy. But I, I also was like, one of the things that was in my head was that I'm kind of like the first fan that had become the champion. You know what I mean? Like 
I'm like a fan that's become the champ. I was like, I'm like the first. I said to Vince Russo, I said, I think I'll, I'd be like the first Mark that would ever be the champion. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, what are you kidding? We're all Marks. And then I was like, oh. But, you know, that's not a term that people like like or something. But yeah. essentially, it's aside from a Mark, you know, not that, but. We're fans. We're all fans. And that's sure. one thing like that leads us all into this business is that you love it. <laughs> you love wrestling. You've always loved it. So yeah. that's what connects everybody. Well, when then you were growing the more up, you get into it. It's like the harder, harder to keep loving it, to be honest with you, because all this stuff happens like on the road, different interactions <laughs> with people, like all these lessons people are teaching you. It becomes sometimes it becomes a love-hate thing. You know, the interesting thing that I found is that the closer that you get to the industry, sometimes it's like you learn a little bit too much and it takes a little bit of a mystique away sometimes. Yeah, totally. It completely does. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's not as glamorous for sure. I mean, some of the, some of the road stuff, some of the promoter stuff, some of the fan stuff is just really rough. Like, some of the lessons, like and some of the ribbing and all the stuff that comes along with it. And it's some of the egos, like you never know who you're in the ring with or what they're going through or, you know, a lot of the real, the pros are great. Like the, the legends kind of guys, like Cole Cabana, like working with him, even Jack Perry was just amazing. Uh, certain guys get it. RJ gets it, although sometimes he can be a little tricky. I think he laid his knee in a little hard. But So when you were growing up, who were the people that you, like which wrestlers did you love? I loved uh, Snuka was like why he'd jump off the top rope. I always loved that, like him jumping off the top rope. Um. Hulk Hogan, I was always a Hulkamaniac. He was probably like one of my favorites. Junkyard Dog, um, Andre. I, you know, I hated Piper, like hated him so much. But then Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth were truly like, Miss Elizabeth was probably like one of the main reasons I watched. I was just like infatuated with her. And it, it's so ironic. And you point this out in the film that your wife looks a lot like Miss Elizabeth. <laughs> I'm telling you, I think like subconsciously, it's really put that in my brain. It's like crazy. It's either yeah. that or Wonder Woman. I have a huge they can Wonder be sisters. Woman tattoo. Yeah. So when did you get this idea in your head that you wanted to make this up to yourself, make this up to the wrestling industry and, and train, be an indie wrestler? I uh, I thought about it back in WCW. I was like, back then I was like, I don't, you know, I wanted to prove myself then. I was like, I can do more than this guy. It's like, let me do something. They let me jump off the top rope like Snooka, but then Jeff Jarrett like rolled out of the way. So I hit like an empty mat. But that was like my biggest, most spectacular move. And that, that one turned out, but then I oversold. But still, I... Uh, so back then was like really like I, I walked around like everyone was treating me like I was some pushover, like little punk actor. And they were all mad at me. So that's where it first started, like wanting to prove myself. And then then I'd go through years of like watching wrestling and like 
and then getting mad about everything or going to an event and have someone be rude and be like, I'm never watching wrestling again. And then I turned back into it. So I always had this like push pull. And then when uh, I have the heart, my stents put in my heart, I came out of the thing and I was like, told my wife, I'm really been thinking about wrestling a lot. And she's like, what? Like she thought I had like a little mental break or something. But I was like, no, like you don't understand like how these people treat me and, and I love wrestling and I, I just want to prove myself. Do you understand how crazy it sounds to have a heart attack, get stents put in your heart and then decide, okay, now I want to be a wrestler? Well, it was like, it was like one of these major things I was thinking about as I was like, you know, going into surgery, coming out. I was like thinking about my family like the highlights and some of the bad things that has happened in my life. And I was like, Oh, but, but well, I just wish that wrestling thing had been different. <laughs> it was like a major, like, so then it, it just told me that there's something there. There's something I need to resolve or address or like, and I knew I had to lose weight. So it was like, if I'm going to lose weight, let me do it. Like training to be a wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's crazy. It's so crazy. Did, how much did this run in WCW affect your acting career? You know, they like kind of tap on it in that, but there's a lot of factors that affect an acting career. And, uh, you know, it's a, I don't know. If you want to build a career a certain way, you know, you can do it. You can wait for the right parts, but you might not work for a year or two or you have to put your own piece together to, like, showcase your abilities. But um, I don't know. It was like I, – I don't think it – like, it, there were a lot of factors. The AT&T commercials, you know, my, my personal life. So I don't – what it did have a big effect on was my uh, self-esteem and my sort of own confidence. And, mm. you know, that's what it only hurts when you're reading the text and you believe them. <laughs> you know I mean? If you don't yeah. believe them, you just brush them off. You don't even read them. You don't even care. But if you believe them, then they like ugh, hurt really deep and uh, it's just really painful. So, so that's really what I learned throughout this whole thing, that it actually wasn't wrestling at all. It wasn't any of this stuff. It was myself, like believing mm -hmm. in myself, having confidence, and then treating myself right. Was it like, just training? Was it just working out? Or did you do other work as well? Therapy, reading, meditation, whatever, that really helped you work on yourself? Yeah, all of that stuff. I mean, <laughs> I read a great book from... Um, uh, called love yourself like your life depends on it was a really mm. good one and the untethered soul like a couple oh, really untethered good souls, fantastic oh, oh yeah that's amazing it's hard to get to, <laughs> like, to think that way but it's really incredible book and then yeah a lot of years and years of therapy years and years of uh, addressing addiction issues and just uh you know and also just relationships and confidence and just like i don't know it's a believing in yourself thing i kind of had to do this to prove to myself that i could do it and and then through that process and also then nearly dying again kind of having like 
just a new gratitude toward life and a just new understanding. I don't know. There's also like things you learn in the ring, like how to like huh. hold to yourself, how to take your time, how to like, uh, you know, how to, a lot of people are like, I can't, you know, you can't hit me like that or like, uh, you know what I mean? Or like I hit them and it's a like, no sell or something like that. It, there are like moments where I learn stuff about myself, even in those moments. So a big thank you to you for making this show possible by listening right now. And a big thank you to our sponsors. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You had to keep moving. And that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need and you can pause your account at any time and there's no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire that you need, just like they've done for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. So go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offered valid through September 30th. And oh man, the wait is finally over. Football is back, my friends. Now you may not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Just head to Bet Online and take advantage of all of their great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BLUEWIRE. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Let's touch on the almost dying again thing because it happened in the ring for everybody who doesn't know. So this is a death match with Nick Gage, which on the outset is insane as it is having a death match, number one, but having a death match with Nick Gage is pretty crazy. You, your jugular got cut. And what's crazy. No, no, food- my jugular didn't get cut. I okay. thought it did. I thought it, it did. And that's so when I walked out of the ring. I was like, yeah, no, my jugular. So when did you realize that there was a problem? Because you're you're holding your your neck here, like you know you're going to be shooting out a whole bunch of blood. Yeah, I, I thought I was. I mean, I did uh, when I walked out of the rig. Uh, I still was like completely like, yeah, you know, freaked out and just my life flashing before my eyes and the whole thing. And then the place was all crowded, but everyone was silent and. Uh, and uh, 
I hear Luke Perry, and he, I can't see him, but I hear him. He said, Davey, it's Luke. And I said, Luke, is it pumping? And he said, it's not pumping. Because it had hit my neck muscle is what happened. So I got like five stitches in my neck muscle and then a bunch of stitches on the outside. But I didn't know. I, I didn't know, and I didn't know. Uh, but once he told me that, I knew I wasn't like immediately dying. I didn't know how bad it was or whatever. <laughs> but uh, uh it's just so it's crazy. like interesting, interesting like moment in the movie at where you're holding your neck you have this look of complete distraught in your face you walk out of the ring like i don't want to die and you know i gotta get out of here and then you kind of like turn around and you finish the match well that's because luke told me it wasn't pumping yeah but he's not a doctor <laughs> <laughs> i know but i knew at least i wasn't gonna bleed out you know what i mean <laughs> that's, that's what my mindset was because I didn't want to finish. Like, I wanted to have a wrap the story up. <laughs> you know what I mean? I didn't want to leave the fans without a conclusion or just leave it like, I don't know. But I did, I wasn't thinking clearly, clearly, <laughs> even to be in there the first place. I, I wasn't for sure what the difference between a death match and a, you know, a hardcore, a hardcore match. match. I thought yeah. it was just like, okay, they use a few more different things. It's just, they use more stuff. They can use more stuff. I didn't know that it was so frowned upon. Like, you know, after I learned that after the, you know, I, I was in the hospital. I was like, Oh, people really hate like a certain segment of the professional population, like completely frowns on that style of wrestling. And it's funny. I guess it goes back to like, I don't know. It's like you're a geek in the circus or something. <laughs> like really like it's crazy stuff. It's like, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it is. <laughs> did did Nick suggest anything in the match that you went, that, that, that's a bit too far? No, I don't. I learned a lot like from that. Like I learned through the process. Like I don't know. It's so crazy. Wrestling, they don't really, like, they don't explain stuff in a very clear way. Like, they kind of, like, <laughs> use they use words that I don't really understand. And, like, there's all these different motivations going on when people are trying to do stuff. I'm li literally, like, coming in, like, with an open heart. And, like, you know, I always, like, approach it like people don't think I can fight. So, you know you run at me and I'll dodge and you'll hit the, the corner. And then I, I'll have be able to do something to you because I've, you know, caught you off guard for a second. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I always look for ways of like not making them look bad or whatever it is, but it's also weird. And the people do other things that nobody's planned and, I don't know. What, it's what, a, what a difference, though, from being on a movie set where every single word you're saying is scripted out. Every step you're taking is like basically planned out. Where in a wrestling match, it's like, all right, David, so I'm going to do one of these one, two, three, yeah. and then over here with the okay, and then. Yeah, exactly. That's all. Huge words. I know. That's what they're talking about. I literally have to go to somebody and I say, like, what does he mean by that? Like, <laughs> I, I'm still deciphering stuff. And there was something that was said in the, the match where it was like, oh, this is where the ultraviolence happens. And I'll just go up to the crowd or whatever. And I was like, well, what do you mean? I didn't say like, oh, I was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> and that's sort of like, 
there's just things that I don't understand. I still don't understand. I'm like, I'm really, I'm open and game and like, you know, I'm a bit of a daredevil, but I just, uh, I don't know. I've got in over my head in this whole thing. <laughs> well, have you reached a point yet? Have you, you know, you've worked many matches. Have you reached a point where you're now okay with this? I don't know. Like, I love wrestling. I mean, I love being a fan, to be honest with you. I, mean, I love wrestling. I love performing for, like, entertaining people. But there's something about, I mean, aside from it being really painful, which wrestlers don't say, apparently. Wrestlers never say something hurts or it's painful. So I'm obviously, like, still not there. <laughs> I don't know how to, like, like, play it tough, like... I guess there's like some big thing about everyone being so fucking tough in this business or something. I don't know. You know, I don't know. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's obviously a weird time in the world right now. And there's not a lot of indie shows that are running. But are you still taking bookings? Are you still wrestling? Uh, not really. I mean, if I were to wrestle again, I'd want it to be with RJ as my tag team partner or be a manager or something. But I'm not really... I don't, I can never win a belt. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can never accept the fact of winning a belt. So it's not like I have anything to like try to strive for. Because if somebody was like, listen, you want to come like, you know, if it were a tag team situation, that's different. And if it was like in the process of like also kind of, helping shine some someone not not that rj needs my help at all because he's such a talent like the fact that he's not at aw wwe is like uh, just stupid <laughs> like it's all these like people like i don't know there's some narrow side like you know they only see like what they want to see or something sure like if you ever come up with the suggestion that's a good suggestion but if it's not their idea i don't know you run across it a lot in different forms of business but in wrestling it's got these other elements that i still don't understand i still mm. there's a lot about this business i still have no idea about because i'm like gullible i'm a gullible person at heart <laughs> so it's a really bad thing to be in the wrestling business because i literally am a mark i, I guess <laughs> you know what i mean i'm a <laughs> sucker i'll go and i'll buy like i love buying people's merch and like you know I'm like, what? Are they really mad at each other? Like, I'm still there. I don't know. I've been inside the locker room. I know all the se- like. I know a lot of the secrets, and I'm still completely like <laughs> lost about it all. So I don't know. I just really like my whole thing's like I love it, and I love having fun, and I love entertaining people. So that part I love. <laughs> but there's other things that I don't love. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I think I was there at the genesis of your friendship with RJ City. Yeah. It was WrestleMania 34, uh, New Orleans. I'm chatting with RJ and I've known him for years. And he goes, I called out David Arquette and he's actually going to do it. And I'm like, no way he's going to do it. Like, no, like tomorrow we're making coffee in our underwear. I'm like, what? So when you saw this video of him calling you out, what made you decide? Yeah. I'm going to do this thing. Uh, 
you know, I knew I wanted to. You know what I mean? I'd already had my the heart stints. I'd been thinking about it a lot. Were you already planning to be in New Orleans for WrestleMania? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've been work. to WrestleManias before. You know, it's always weird. I go like, I don't know. It's always weird. I go, I haven't gone to, I've been to a few of them, but um, I don't know. It's always this, this strange relationship I have with wrestling where I love, it's, it's a bit of a love-hate thing. But especially also with the fans, there's a love-hate thing. So, I mean, I don't know. It's gotten better. Once I got into the indie scene, it got much better. And, yeah. And also, this time around was a lot better because people that didn't like Ready to Rumble, like the age group that did like it, have now grown up. And now they're like, you know, in their 30s and stuff. <laughs> they're like, oh, when that came out, I love that movie. But when it when it first all happened, then people hated it. So it's so weird. I don't know. <laughs> I don't really understand all of this. I'm sorry if this whole interview's been kind of all over the place. <laughs> this is, this is great. Brain. I love it. Okay. Would good. you would you say in your acting career that screams the movie that most people, you know, would relate you to? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, and then and, and then my my ex marriage. Right. So like, yeah. as silly as that because of Scream. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Right. So you and Courtney met on is it Scream One? Yeah, yeah. We met wow. right before Scream One. Yeah. So that was twenty five years ago or something. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Wow. Yeah, totally. When you first read the script for Scream, I mean, we look at it now as a legendary film. When you first read the script, there's some twists in there. There's some stuff in there we hadn't seen in horror films. Yeah. What did you think when you read it? Well, when I, first they wanted to see me for Skeets Roll, and I was like, that's not me at all. I mean, I came in and I said, what's really interesting is the Dewey Roll. I think it would be so funny, like, because he was written as this big jock, which is ironic. <laughs> and I was like, I don't, like a big dumb jock. And I think, I was like, I think it'd be, I think there would be really, I could do something really fun with that. And sort of that's, that's that's what happened. Wes Craven's so cool. And like he's open minded and he's like, wow, that's really interesting. And he hadn't thought of it. So then it all worked out. And I also like I think I knew Gordon was doing it. And I always thought she was cute on friends and really flirted with her when we first like all met as a casting. Was there a point where like I mean Friends was massive, right? Friends was this massive, huge hit. Is there a point where that fame that she had with friends ever overshadowed what you were doing in your career? I mean, absolutely. It was like one of the, you know, the, the biggest show in the world at the time. So it was really like, and it was like crazy time period. Anyway, there's like this new form of paparazzi was all like coming loose. And yeah, it was insanity. It was really crazy. Were there any roles that, you know, you said you were up for Skeet's role and Scream. Were there any roles that, big roles you were up for that you didn't get that we'd be surprised to learn about? Um, or something maybe you read for? Yeah, I was like uh, Arrested Development for Jason Faven's character. I was up for that, which was really Wow. Fun. Yeah, but I was a dumb-dumb. Like, <laughs> I was like, uh, I'm too young to have a kid. <laughs> at the time, which is such such a narrow way of looking at stuff. 
but I also, I don't know. That wouldn't have, I, I, he was so great in that. So, um, yeah, just stuff like that. I mean, um, what, there must've been some big move. I mean, you were so hot in the nineties. There must've been some big roles that you read for. Shoot. Yeah. The quick in the dead. I don't know. Not, not that it was like a big role, but. I'm, I'm half waiting for you to say, yeah, I read for Batman. <laughs> oh, no, no, they never called me for Batman. That would have been fun. <laughs> yeah, I don't, people still don't, I mean, know where to put me. I don't know where to put me. So. <laughs> I like, I just, I'm always like, I don't know. I always think I could just kind of like, I'm an actor, so you could research it and do the work and then do it. And like, I learned a horrible lesson on a, uh, play where i played sherlock holmes <laughs> it's like okay you can't just do everything <laughs> like some people are not right for certain roles so it's definitely like you do have to be a little more careful than i was in the past but i mean you said in the movie that you've auditioned you've read for the last 10 years and you haven't been booked but you haven't been doing a ton of like indie films yeah so that i had like this argument with the directors my wife who's deserves all the credit in producing this movie. She just kicked ass on it. But uh, she kicked me out of the editing room at some point because I was so, like, specific about certain things. But after that line, uh, I say, it's not like I haven't worked in 10 years. It's just it's ha- I haven't gotten a job from an audition. So that's the line that that, that was from. I haven't gotten a job from audition because I'm just a terrible auditioner. <laughs> yeah, really bad. So... But I had worked, so I was like, you have to include that because then people are going to think, like, I haven't worked in 10 years and they've seen me in movies, so you can't. You know, wrestling fans, one thing about wrestling fans is, like, (laughs) you always have to make things hyper real. You know what I mean? They have to be so real because, and you have to explain stuff. You know what I mean? So, you know, I just like, you don't want to try to, like, fool or pulls the rug over a wrestling fans' eyes. It's just not going to go well. Well, for better or for worse, wrestling fans never forget anything. <laughs> That's as, true. As you are aware of. But, you know, it's, and it's kind of sad to think that, like, your title win is up there with, like, Mae Young's hand and Katie yeah. Dick. Guess what? I'm also part of the Judy Bagwell thing, which I, oh. I forgot completely. They had called me up like, want to come back and like, you know, and I, I love this. I was like, sure. I'd love to come back. And somehow I'm involved in the Judy Bagwell thing, but it's weird. I, I looked it up and I had no recollection whatsoever of it, of wow. even doing it or being, that's also like, what happens when you get older and you forget like so much stuff. Like I don't remember like half of the late night talk show appearances Someone sent me something of me rapping on Sinbad, and I was on his talk show, and I had no recollection of it. Oh, is this just because you've gotten older? Is this because you know you didn't remember it at the time either? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of lot of reasons why (laughs) car accidents, to all these like years of things. 
I don't you, know why, but yeah. Look, I think that if nothing else, wrestling may, so you might've died, almost died in the ring, but also wrestling, I feel like kind of saved your life. I mean, look at the shape that you're in right now. Look at the, look at the giant veins in your arms. I work out all the time. And I don't have those. <laughs> you know, Jeez. We're veiny. We're, we're veiny bunch, the Arkans. <laughs> we always have these vein brains. Definitely got the veins in your head. Yeah. I know. I'm always worried about if, you know, you were going to, in fact, catch a vein. <laughs> yeah, you get it. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that happening. So I, I, I think it was obviously a letdown with the coronavirus. Your film was supposed to debut at South by Southwest, which ended up getting canceled. You guys have figured this out, though. You figured it out and it's, it's now out there. So how do you feel after working on this thing for years now that this thing is out into the world for everybody to enjoy? I'm really excited. It's hard to, it's, like, it's hard like getting people to know it's out there and like where to find it. And it's only out in North America and Canada. Well, please, this is your opportunity. And, yeah, well, I know, but I don't know. It's like it's not out in the rest of the world. So it's hard for like to get a grasp of like everyone kind of, I don't know, it'll get out there eventually. I think it's just part of the journey. Like I still, like after this whole thing, I've, it's so weird but i feel like i have to prove myself again for some reason i don't know why i don't know what it is it's like let's do it again let's do it right this time let's do it i don't know i i uh i don't know it's been a really weird thing like it coming out and it's like okay i've worked so hard almost done here it is it's like you know, it's getting a great response and people are liking it. And that's, I'm really grateful for that. But it's also like, you know, I don't know if people I'm really close to, it's like, Hey, you know, no, oh, it's, yeah, I'm going to check it out. It's a great documentary. It's a great oh, film, not you. just a great wrestling documentary. It's just a great documentary with great storytelling. A lot of times documentaries don't have a defined beginning, middle and end, but that's exactly what you had here. Oh, thank you. Yeah, they're David Darg and Bryce James did a really great job directing it. Christina, my wife, was just such a champion producing it and dealing with the, being on camera and all the stuff that happened, you know, over the couple of years we were shooting. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm really proud of the film. I'm really proud of that uh, it captured that point in my life where my life was and that I made it out on the other side. So when you look at your recent wrestling career, post WCW, who were the people that you're blown away by that you were able to be in the ring with them? Oh man. I, I mean, just, I got to like be in the ring and wrestle with honky tonk. <laughs> the honky tonk man was like my favorite ever. And then like to be in the ring with him. Oh my gosh, that was amazing. And um I don't know. Um but this this time like actual wrestler, you think Paige was incredible, Colt Cabana, RJ City. But I mean uh, you also did stuff with Jerry Lawler, McFoley. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Mr. Those Anderson. Just, oh yeah, Mr. Anderson was amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean all the all the legends. <laughs> I mean, whenever you get to work with these guys, it's really humbling. I think at the end of the day, what, what the root of this story is, is anyone can accomplish anything. 
Like you set your mind out a few years ago. You said, I'm going to be a pro wrestler. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to put in the work. I'm going to train and I'm going to, I'm going to have a match, which is going to lead to more matches. And you've done this. And if people aren't inspired by that, I don't know if their heart's beating in their chest. (laughs) Well, thanks, man. That really was what it was about, you know, to believe in yourself. Like that's really the big message of this whole, whole process. And to really like, you know, go after your dreams, but just enjoy life and don't let people bully you. That's really one of the main messages. Stand up for yourself or believe in yourself. So, you know, I don't know. But life's really funny the way it all happens. You work so hard and then like, you know, life happens. And so you have to go on and prove yourself again. Go do something else. Like make another movie that, you know, or whatever like people can make their own movies now with their phones and i don't know everyone likes to be you know want to be famous or something but it's really not about that it's about uh just making work that is fun for you like fulfilling it's been such a pleasure talking to you and then your story is amazing so thank you for the time david thank you chris i appreciate it thanks it's been (laughs) It's been a wild ride, and I'm glad I got to sort of connect with you throughout the process, starting at the WrestleMania. Well, now is a now is a way better time to have this conversation than if we did it a year ago. So I'm glad <laughs> that it true. all culminated to this and made this happen. Hey, thanks, man. Appreciate you. Ah, oh, so there we go, David Arquette. Snap a screenshot. Let us know that you're listening. Tag me. I am at Chris Van Vliet. Tag David. He is at David Arquette. And where do we start here? He's just such a fascinating guy with such a fascinating story. Check out his documentary, You Cannot Kill David Arquette. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. And if you're listening to this right now and you're thinking about starting wrestling training, think about this. David Arquette started training at age 46, after having a heart attack. In fact, if you're thinking about taking the next step in anything in your life, think about this drive and this passion that David Arquette has and apply just like 1% of that to your life. And I feel like the, the results will just be absolutely amazing. This quote from Thomas Edison is just so fitting. Many of life's failures are people who didn't realize how close they were to success when they gave up. I'm going to read that one more time. Many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. Hmm. Hope you enjoyed this chat as much as I did. Be great. Be grateful. We'll see you on Thursday for an in-depth chat with Daniel Pewter.